This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Back and reflect on 2023. What sort of, of memories, highlights stand out for you? Well, one of the big highlights stands out for me is my dad used to have an expression. He'd say, Joey, a job's about a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. So many people through the Midwest and, and in the center of the country, their, their factories are shipped overseas the last couple of times out, and, and they were losing hope and faith. All right, people, we are back. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It is January 2nd in the year 2024. And if you thought, as I did, that 2023 flew by quickly, just wait until you see what happens over the next 364 days. It is going to be a speed demon of a year for many, many reasons, which we're going to kind of set up today. As always, we are uh, live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you want to join us for the post-game show, rubenreport.locals.com. You can get comments and questions in, and uh, we will talk privately. That's what we do after the show, if you join us over there. Uh, the theme for today is, do you believe in yourself, or do you believe in the system? That's it. That is my theme for the year. That is the divide right now. Do you think that you have some autonomy over your life, some control over your emotions, your feelings, your family, your community, and do you have the wherewithal and the energy to fix things for yourself to the best of your ability, or do you think you can just kind of outsource that to the system? A system, by the way, that I would say, uh, over the last couple of years in particular, uh, has not been all too kind to the individual, to you, to me, to our families and everything else. A system that seems to be collapsing and is being attacked every which way, and yet a certain amount of people uh, still think that the system is in it for them. So that's gonna be our theme. We will lay it out using evidence via both video and audio. And before we do that, I wanna show you a tweet that I put up this morning. Uh, Phoenix sent it to me and uh, he sent me back my own tweet. He said it, it had gas, is that what it is? It was, it, it was gas, which means that means super duper uh, for, the, uh, for the kids out there. This is what I wrote, 2020, 20, 2020, 2024 thought, the easiest possible uh, the, sorry, the easiest thing possible is to be an over-the-top alarmist, especially if it fits your narrative and gets you clicks and cash. So while, yes, there is an awful lot to worry about, no southern border, Mideast war, strife on our streets, mm -hmm. online censorship, fentanyl crisis, two likely presidential candidates that most of the country hates, etc., I do believe there is cause for hope. The human spirit longs for freedom, and the human condition also has an innate desire for truth. While the conditions are set to crush both freedom and truth, there will be a renewed spirit amongst those who are awake, as opposed to woke, to fight for these eternal values. It will be hard to see and even harder to accomplish, but I truly believe if those of us who want to live in a world that we had, yet have almost totally given up, we just have to find each other and figure out how to work together. 
It will happen at school boards, community centers, sports leagues, and places of worship. Then, over time, it will scale up. Our ancestors founded in themselves to build the greatest country the world has ever known, and now it's our turn to rebuild it for ourselves. Or we can just fight on Twitter, empower the grifters, and burn it all down. The choice is yours. All right, so that's where I'm at. That is my message for the beginning of the year. Do you believe in yourself or do you believe in the system? And it's not just, it's not just yourself. Will there be a series of people, we can call them the sense makers, who will arise at this very precarious moment that we all feel that we are in, right? Rolling into an election year, all of the, the things that I mentioned in that tweet, this very strange moment that we can all, we all feel like America is kind of sliding away, Western values are sliding away, we're watching violence in our streets, violence across the world. Will there be a sense maker class that will fix it or will we just, again, outsource our decisions over our lives and then hand it to a bunch of grifters who will just make some money along the way? That is the challenge. So I wanna start today with a little bit of uh, somebody who believes that there is, uh, who has been a sense maker, whether I agree with him on everything or not, uh, and someone who I think is a little bit confused about the issues. Uh, Seth MacFarlane, who of course created Family Guy and a million other uh, TV shows, he was the guest on Bill Maher's podcast on Club Random uh, over the weekend, and they started talking about the vaccines. Now, for all of you that are always frustrated with Bill on what he says about Republicans and all that stuff, that's just fine, but he has been pretty good on vaccine hesitancy and vaccine injuries and all of that. McFarland doesn't seem to be uh, getting the information that a whole bunch of us have been dropping and watch this exchange. If you already, but if you already had the disease, you have natural immunity. We didn't see, that was, we didn't, that, that we didn't was, seem that was, to believe in that. That was here. debunked though. I mean, that was, that, that's I mean, not debunked. Don't no. you know people have had COVID four or five times? I do. That's yeah. not natural immunity. There's no immunity there. You've had COVID five times. Probably because you had too many vaccines. I didn't have COVID. Did, did, you, did the vaccine gave you COVID? Uh, well, that's certainly nothing unscientific about the fact that the vaccine, which does weaken you in order to strengthen you. Says do all vaccines. Exactly. Yeah. But while you're in a weakened state, yes. That's why so many people like me got it, did not have it while the thing was raging and I was taking zero precautions because I was never that afraid of it. But that's anecdotal. Like, okay. I've had yeah, every booster oh, there but, is uh, Anecdotal have, that, yeah. And I have never had COVID. I get a flu shot once a year. I haven't had the flu in 20 years. Right. Well, I haven't either, and I don't get a flu shot. Okay, so, so th this is all anecdotal. Right. But but, right. but but you know the difference between anecdotal and, and statistical. I do. And, and, I'm, and statistically, you still have a 90% better chance of not being hospitalized, not dying if you're vaccinated. Okay, that, well, that, but that's assuming all people are alike, and that is one of the giant fallacies in your way of thinking. We are not all alike. Yes, I would recommend and have recommended the COVID vaccine for the high-risk people. Like, if you're 90 or fat, get it. Absolutely. You need it. Some people don't. But you had... Djokovic <laughs> didn't need it. But you had... Aaron Rodgers didn't need it. But you the, had something like 1,900 kids who died of COVID during no, the pandemic. No, I don't... Okay, there, there's a lot to unpack there, and I think it illustrates that kind of decent people, I have no doubt, although I'm gonna be a little more critical of Seth MacFarlane, and he generally is kind of a woke progressive lefty, which is really disappointing because he's created great, irreverent, politically incorrect comedy like Family Guy, so it's a little bizarre connecting those two things. 
two decent people can see things very differently, but the essence of it is one of them, Bill is showing skepticism, right? Skepticism towards the vaccines, the idea that the government could force you to do it and everything else, that you have autonomy over your body and your mind, and I thought that was what the left was all about, my body, my choice, that sort of thing, and that we should, uh, each make choices that are right for ourselves. While Seth wants the sort of controlled, everyone should get the vax. He's also sort of making things up, like people got COVID over and over who weren't vaxxed. Well, some of them did. I, I think I've had COVID at least twice. I'm not vaxxed, but I didn't get vaxxed and I survived. And it was my choice. The idea that we should just be following the system, a system that again, after all of the lockdowns and all of the mandates and everything else, uh, wasn't looking out for us, right? That has led us now to a generation that is fatter and children who have delayed speech and all of the years of learning that are lost and uh, or have been lost and everything else. Uh, but then it got a little more testy between the two of them because they got into it about our government agencies and whether in fact they are looking out for us. Okay, that's, but, that's, some, but that's some people- seven million people. Things are, and you cannot prevent that. You, you can though. I mean, you 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 can prevent. At what cost? But is what's the, the yes, cost of yes, getting a vaccine? What what's why is why what's well, the well the fact that you don't the, the fact that you don't even have a clue what's the cost of getting a vaccine that oh, you don't know the that? answer to that? <laughs> no, you're 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 you you completely want to shut your eyes to the fact that there are repercussions to all medical interventions, inclu you're, including a vaccine. All vaccines they come they say side effects just like every medication does. Sure. You can see it in the literature. They can't write it on the back, you know, on the vaccine, so you have to dig them. And and of course there is a vaccine court because so many people have been injured. This is not a screed to say don't do vaccines. I'm not against doing vaccines. I'm against doing vaccines that I don't think I need. I should be able to decide that for myself inside my my body. We disagree on the fact that I think that the public health infrastructure, despite being absolutely inadequate prior to COVID, did as good a job as they could have done during COVID. And it pisses me the f off when I see people sh on them. I, I, when I, I see, see it must because yeah. you like, like steered it all the way back to that again. <laughs> yeah. like oh, McFarlane, like you think after COVID that the public health sex sector, the apparatus, that they did as good a job as they could have. You have more of belief in that thing right now. You have more of a belief in the system, the system that was firing nurses for not wanting to get vaxxed, the system that put all sorts of people out of work and did all sorts of crazy psychotic things of children in masks and everything else. That's the system that you believe in. Uh, also, when he asked, what's the cost of getting a vaccine? Well, there are, we don't know the exact numbers, but there are undoubtedly at least hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people all over the world who have been vaccine injured. You probably know some, I know some. Like that, that absolutely is real. Why would you just trust the system? By the way, right now, and we'll get into a bit more on uh, immigration in just a second, but right now we have all sorts of people rampaging through our borders we were closing our borders from state to state because of COVID, and now people just run through our borders. Like, what? What? how can you believe in the system? But I think that what that illustrates is the divide that we're gonna see more and more of in 2024. Someone who's sort of anti-woke and skeptical of government, and someone who's kind of pro-woke, and thus ends up shilling for the government because once you're woke, you sort of end up believing in the power. You, they say they're fighting for the power, but they actually end up believing in the power. 
and they want to outsource more of their own decisions. All Bill is saying there is, hey, I'm however old I am, I take care of myself, I want to make those decisions for them myself. And Seth, Seth is in essence saying, no, no, there's a system out there that I somehow believe in, I'm not exactly sure why, uh, but it should be able to take care of you. So do you believe in the system? I'm gonna drive this thing home today. Do you believe in the system or do you believe in yourself? I'm now gonna uh, jump over to Moinkbox for a second, but then we're gonna bust out a little Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, because they got into it too. And I think it will also illustrate that divide quite well. Uh, you guys know that 60% of US pork production comes from one company owned by the Chinese and their hogs are given something called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China, yet you find it in your grocery aisle every day. Guys, there's a better way. I wanna tell you about Moink, that is Moo plus Oink. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did, and as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm does it better. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent as well. You choose the meat delivered in every box like ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops to salmon fillets and much more. Plus, you can cancel any time. Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's, ba Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted, and they guarantee you'll say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got Moink. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash Ruben right now, and listeners of this show get free ground beef for a year. That's one of the best ground beef you'll ever taste, but only for a limited time. M-O-I-N-K box.com, moinkbox.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, so this divide that I am talking about that you can make decisions for yourself, that you can use your mind and critical thinking to decide what is best for you and your family versus there is a system in place and it will tell you what to do. Uh, I think we just illustrated a little bit of that divide between uh, Bill and Seth MacFarlane. And by the way, I suspect that they're probably friends outside of that and, and these are the, the arguments that we should be having in public in a healthy society. Uh, but now I wanna show you uh, Sam Harris on Jordan Peterson's Podcast now. Sam and I used to be friends. I suppose we are. We are not friends anymore. I will tell that story perhaps in the post game show today. How that thing ended up. Uh, not not important. But the last time I played a video of Sam a couple of months back, I think I said that we weren't going to show videos of him anymore because it just brings me no pleasure because of the personal side of this. Uh, but I thought I saw this video over the weekend and it was just like it illustrates this this notion so perfectly that I think it's worth showing. So. Uh, here's Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson. This is on Jordan's podcast. And Sam talking about why Elon Musk bought Twitter. Now, you guys know my feelings on this. Elon bought Twitter. He didn't have to do this. He's sending people, you know, humans to space, working on a Mars operation. He's building electric cars, Neuralink, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, I think he actually believes in free speech. And that has been the ethos of the company since he has bought it. Uh, but listen to Sam's take on it, and I think you'll see how we're connecting it to everything else. I mean, look at what Twitter has done to Elon's life, right? It's just, you know, Elon used to be a friend. You know, he's somebody I, I knew reasonably well. Um, you know, his engagement with Twitter has been catastrophic for him as a person from my point of view. I mean, it's just, it's, it's clearly a, compuls a compulsion. I mean, he was so addicted to it that he felt he needed to buy the platform. Um, but it is a, you know, his use of it has been so irresponsible and uh, produced such, I mean, forget about the harm he's produced in other people's lives. Uh, and, how, and, and nothing I'm saying now has, it, it relates to 
changes he's made to the platform. I mean, that's that's a separate thing that we can talk about. You know, I'm I'm I've always been agnostic as to whether or not he could actually improve Twitter as a as a platform, and he may yet wind up doing that. But I'm just talking about the way he has personally used it as a user of the platform and the way he's interacted with people and boosted signal boosted massively um, the profiles of anonymous QAnon lunatic trolls. Right? I mean, he's he's been completely cavalier in who he interacts with, all the while knowing that anyone he boosts suddenly gets, you know, a million followers and, and has a platform that they otherwise couldn't imagine having. Um, so I look at him and I think, all right, okay, if, if someone of his talent who has so many other good things to do with his 24 hours in any given day, uh, is, is this derailed by this platform? You know, is this is, is is using it this compulsively to the obvious degradation of his reputation in most circles that so interesting. His obvious degradation in most circles that count. Now, that sounds like quite a quite an elitist statement. Uh, my position is obvious. The guy has bought this thing because he has been defending free speech. It's what he spends all day long talking about on the platform and putting up polls on what their policies should be. And should we allow Alex Jones back on or not, et cetera, et cetera, right? Should we allow Donald Trump back on, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't have to do it. I think it's a pretty dim view to say he bought Twitter because he was addicted to Twitter, like he just bought a little toy. He bought something that is allowing us to see more truth. Now, does that mean that sometimes there might be more mean people on there and more mean trolls and they're gonna say bad things about Dave Rubin and a whole bunch of other people? Of course, but they existed there before. Uh, so the idea, I mean, he used the word catastrophic, that Elon's purchase of Twitter. Twitter, if you, even if you were to just look at the events of the last three months, the videos that we've been able to see, the horrific videos and, and all of the barbarity and all of the stuff that would not have traveled as easily on other platforms because of, they would have been censored and they wouldn't have fit the narrative and all of those things. It's like he's allowing more truth to get out there. But I think a certain set of people who really believe in the system, they don't want that much truth out there, right? They don't want that many voices out there. As Sam is saying, he wants a certain the certain circles. In certain circles, people don't like Elon that much. I think the people like Elon, that's the thing. So it's interesting because Elon is sort of like Bill Maher, right? Like he's just kind of like a common sense, rational liberal. You may not like what his voting record is or anything else, but I think you could put, say, an Elon Musk and a Bill Maher in the same camp of, yeah, we're trying to figure it out. More speech is better than less speech. Let's be skeptical. And then I think you could take another bucket and that would be the Seth MacFarlane, Sam Harris bucket. And it's kind of like, no, we'll figure it out for you guys and our corrupt institutions are kind of, well, we won't even call them corrupt, but our institutions are kind of good, even though they're woke and we're always fighting the woke and everything else. So that seems to be the divide. Uh, but the question is really, I would say, because Sam says that Elon is amplifying people, who is Elon amplifying? Now, we, I was looking around this morning, I couldn't find any QAnon people that he's amplifying. I have no doubt he has messaged and retweeted people uh, that I don't agree with. He's retweeted and he's commented on, on me. So some people don't like me. Okay, he's just out there doing stuff. But what is he really focusing on now that he has Twitter? Well, I think you could just look at his pinned tweet that Elon Musk, of course, I'm talking about and look at this. 
Almost no one seems to be aware of the immense size and lightning growth of this issue. According to the mayors, it is already overwhelming essential services in New York, Chicago, and other cities. And what's he referring to? Well, he's retweeting this from Data Hazard. Since August, there are officially more arriving each month than there are children being born to American mothers. And these are just the official encounters. We don't know how many avoided detection. So of course, what Elon is shining light on, this is his pinned tweet. That means if you go to his page, that is the main tweet that is sitting up there. Connor, can you put the, the data back up for just a second? We'll put that chart up for you guys for just a second. So you can see what's happening now. There has been a massive, massive spike in illegal immigrants and the birth rate in America kind of stays the same, but now it's getting to the point that we are bringing in more illegals than we have native births. So when Sam says that why did Elon get this and people in certain circles don't like him, look what he's actually using the platform for. He's using the platform for good because do you think they're gonna cover that on CNN today? Is that alarming? Like that's seriously alarming. There are more illegals. People, we have no idea what their beliefs are, what their intentions are, or anything else now coming into our country to set up shop, they are now multiplying faster than native-born Americans. You think that's a problem? Of course it is. Of course it is. And by the way, you don't have to take my word for it. Here is National Border Patrol Council President Brandon Judd detailing the abject disaster happening at our border right now. What authority do you guys have to deport? Who can you deport? Or is it just largely at this point, just in processing and handing notices to appear? Nobody, nobody. What we do is we take individuals into custody, we process them for deportation proceedings, but then we turn around and we release them. And what, what that does is that allows them to travel wherever they want in the United States. It also allows them to disappear into what Obama termed the shadows of society. That's when they don't show up to the court appearances. All of these people know that they have a very small chance of actually receiving asylum by an immigration judge. They know that that's not going to happen, so they don't show up to their court so every single day that we release thousands of, of illegal immigrants into our country, we know that they're never going to leave. They're, they're going to be here to stay. And then when you look at the, the, how long it's going to be before they even see an immigration judge. When you hear that, do you believe in the system? Do you believe that the federal government is doing the right thing at our border? You've got border agents literally saying, hey, we're letting people in, we process them, and then we know we just let them out into the country and they don't show up for their hearings because if they show up their hearings, they might be kicked out. So instead, they just infiltrate the, the country. So when Elon Musk posts a pinned tweet shining light on that, that is good because he is trying to say, hey, I'm an American, we have a problem here in America and the system. Again, do you believe in yourself or do you believe in the system? The system is failing, but there are some people, I would say Seth McFarlane on the COVID front, uh, Sam on going after Elon, it's sort of, you are running cover for a system that is failing. And I suspect that a lot of the people who are coming into this country are not gonna be all too kind uh, to Sam's ideas when it comes to criticizing religion and a bunch of other stuff, but let's put that aside for a second. So what else is the system producing right now? Well, in the communist country, it's its own country at this point of California, uh, as of yesterday, as of January 1st, they are going to give free health insurance to all illegal immigrants.
So starting January 1st, California will become the first state in the nation to offer health insurance to undocumented immigrants. Under the expansion, more than 700,000 people between the ages of 26 and 49 will be eligible for Medi-Cal. CBS 8's Rocio de la Fe takes a look at the new law and how immigrant rights advocates are reacting. Immigrant rights advocates call the expansion of health care for undocumented immigrants a major milestone in California. This is a really major step in, in California. That immigrant, immigrant rights activists, people who have gotten here illegally, who should not be here, who are, are criminals by definition, right? Once you're, you've broken the law to get in, you deserve nothing. You have to go home, but it's framed. Immigrants rights activists. So that means 700,000 people in California right now who produce nothing into the system, right? They don't pay taxes into the system. They're here illegally. Again, we don't know what they think, what they believe. We don't know what their behaviors are. We don't know how they feel about religious minorities or gays or women or anything else. We're just gonna give them stuff. And we know how this works out when you take a bunch of people who don't pay into the system. They are here illegally in the first place. They don't pay into the system. And then you give them stuff. The good people of those societies, of those cities, say our sanctuary cities right now, like New York and Chicago, et cetera, they start getting pissed. Boy, wait a minute, I'm paying into the system, I'm getting less, there's more crime, there's more uh, migrant housing over here, we don't know what these people are doing, there's more drugs on the streets, et cetera, et cetera. Our homeless shelters are closing because we're putting illegals in there, now there's more homeless on the streets. Like, we know what happens when you do this. You might wanna look at what's going on in Germany, you might wanna look at what's going on in the UK or France when you do this. Uh, but California, and by the way, California, let's not forget, California has lost over a million people in the last three years since COVID. I think it's about 1.5 million people now. And the type of people who have left have been major earners. They also have the mansion tax in California now, which got enacted last year. So if you had a house that was over, say, $4 million, something like that, they were going to throw another tax on you on top of that. So all of the rich people, plus you have income tax there. So the rich people, where did they go? They took their businesses and their skills and their families and they're usually law-abiding citizens as well. And they moved to Texas and they moved to Tennessee and they moved to Florida. So now a place that has less resources in the first place because the taxpayer and the sane people are getting the hell out, now they're giving more. So then they're, they're crushing down more on the decent middle-class person who maybe doesn't have the luxury to move or who hasn't come around on, on all of these ideas yet. So, I would bring this back. Elon Musk, Bill Maher, Jordan Peterson, who sat there very quietly and did not push back on Sam, he just let him speak, and I think that that probably was the most effective way to do it. They are not right-wing maniacs in any definition of it. I would say they are anti-woke, they are sane, and they believe in the individual. And that is what the cultural divide is all about right now, but I don't think that quite reflects our political divide. So let's shift this a little bit because the political divide right now seems to be about people who believe in law and order and people who do not believe in law and order, right? You have a country or you don't. So going with the immigration thing for just a moment, here's Corinne Jean-Pierre. Yes, it's a new year, but look at this shirt she's wearing. I'm interested in this shirt more than anything else, but also she says some stuff about immigration. <laughs> 
And what we're seeing here at the border, the migration flow, uh, increased migration flow, certainly uh, it, it, you know, it ebbs and flows. And we're at a time of the year where we're seeing more uh, at the border. And it's not unusual. This is an immigration system that has been broken for decades. And the president has taken this very seriously to try to. All right, putting aside the, sh the shirt for just a second, something interesting about a scarf with like a big opening, I don't know. Anyway, um, oh, it's just, it's just a seasonal thing. It's just all of these thousands and thousands of people, about 800,000 since October 1st, it's just seasonal, you know what I mean? Like it's chilly, they start moving up here, and then, you know, it'll ebb and flow, and it's, everything's always been broken. Guys, this, we all know this was not happening under Trump. Trump didn't get the wall done, but there was a message sent out to the universe, and the message was, don't come. And then people didn't come. <laughs> but now the message is come and they're coming all over everybody, okay? And it's not good. It's not good because then we also, it's not just that we have a failure at the federal level and we have a failure with the people that they've hired, right? Like then they have these diversity, equity, inclusion hires like that woman who was only hired because she's a black lesbian and she just lies about everything. But then even in the cities, you get these types of people. So Boston Mayor Michelle Wu is another one of these people. Now, Michelle Wu is an interesting character because you would think that Asian people by and large would not be woke because woke is very anti-Asian the same way it's anti-Jewish because Asian people, much like Jews, have spent a lot of focus and time on family and education and hard work and there are traditions and values that they bring to things that allow them to succeed so they succeed at higher levels than other communities and that doesn't fit the intersectional calculator and the whole woke thing. I know you guys know all this. This is the same woman uh, who just a couple weeks ago, was two weeks ago, right before we left, uh, she was having a black and brown holiday party for uh, employees in Boston, okay? Uh, well, here she is uh, commenting on what's going on at the border and uh, what they're gonna do over there in Boston. Every person, every human being has the legal right to come to the United States and seek asylum or shelter. And um, those policies have been in place for a long time. No, lady, no, you don't. You can want asylum, uh, but you can't just show up and walk in. And it's just, it's so staggeringly incredible that the Democrat party has, has so gone off the deep end that they have mainstreamed the idea that you can just break the law. You can just show up, come here and break the law. You can then harm the cities that you're in for all the reasons that I explained, the stress that you put on the system. And that if you defend that, that somehow you're the good guy, but you are not the good guy. Why are they doing this? So the question always is, why are they doing this? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. These are, they just want to help people and they especially want to help brown and black people, something like that. Well, one of their absolute ideological tenets is tolerance and inclusivity. We all know that, right? That tolerance and inclusivity, everybody should have everything all the time. And I suppose in some magical fairyland in Shangri-La that that would work. Except as G.K. Chesterton famously said, tolerance is a virtue of men who lack conviction, right? You have to have a set of beliefs. And then you can see who fits into that. You can see who fits into the country that you've built, the home that you've built, the community that you've built. But if tolerance, everybody, oh, you want to murder my grandma? You want to behead my sister? You want to rape the family? Come on in. This is not going to work out well, okay? I think we all know that. And how do we know it? Well, let's look at some of the consequences of woke today. Uh, as you know, they love promoting genital mutilation. Here is video of our new Lieutenant Colonel in the army, Bree 
Pram uh, explaining how important inclusion is. And you might notice something interesting about Brie. So inclusion is a national security imperative. We fight today and we are going to fight in the future using brain power. And if that brain who's going to revolutionize the way we fight in space, we fight in cyber, just happens to be in a trans body, you should want them all serving alongside me. Brie is a dude. <laughs> Brie is a dude telling us that inclusion is deeply important to our national security. That is complete nonsense. That is a man in a dress. And, and I don't, if you would like to be an adult male and wear a dress, and have your friends and hang out and do all your stuff, that's just fine with me. Uh, but the idea that we've allowed this to enter the top echelons of our military institutions, and then you have a man in a dress explaining to us that tolerance, tolerance, again, and inclusivity, that these are national security issues, this is a problem. You, you were kind of into him, weren't you? <laughs> Sorry, Connor. Uh, why would I start the year off like that? Sorry, I apologize. Um, this is a problem, but again, this has infected all of the systems. What do you think will happen to a system where, and we, by the way, we know that the military has gone fairly woke over the last couple of years anyway, but what do you think will happen to a system over time that views tolerance and diversity as a national security issue that puts that really at the pinnacle of, of, the, of the degrees of importance with which we order things? Well, then you might start letting in people who are less qualified, you might start, I don't know, getting taking your eye off the ball and being like, oh, you know, there's a real threat over there, but how many trans people do we have making less lunch today? Uh, but of course, this fiddles through everything in society right now. This one is absolutely wild, and we are definitely buying tickets to this event. This is from the Daily Mail. USA Boxing to allow transgender women to compete against female boxers under certain conditions from 2024 after introducing new policy. Uh, leave the headline up for just a second. What that should say is USA boxing to allow men to compete against female boxers under certain conditions from 2024 after introducing new policy. We are going, we are going. You find out, okay, Brock, I want you on this. You find out when they're having the men kick the crap out of the women in the name of tolerance and diversity here in Miami, we are going, getting first row tickets for everybody. So, okay, so what do they do? Tolerance is at the top of this thing. So now we have men kicking the crap out of women. Well, what they also do, of course, is decriminalize crime and reward you actually for being a criminal. So now let's head over to Chicago. Can I get the numbers on how many people were killed over the new year in Chicago? It's probably a good one. Um, and uh, mayor, this is new mayor, Brandon Johnson. And of course, you know, Brandon Johnson, he's the one that replaced Lori Lightfoot, who was completely bananas, Beetlejuice woman. And now they get someone who's even further left than him. It's just great. And here he is. And now who's he concerned about? Is it the good taxpayer of Chicago? The, the guy who's just trying to keep his family safe and you know take care of his property and everything else? Are uh, you gonna take care of that guy? Maybe give that guy some tax breaks and you know help him flourish? Or are you gonna focus on the criminals and everything else? And I think you know the answer. In order for us to have a better, stronger and safer Chicago, it really requires the full force of government. We have stood up an, an entire office dedicated to reentry. So individuals who are returning to our communities who have been incarcerated because of failed policies, uh, we'll have a welcoming space for them. I've added a, a half a million dollars for restoration and reparations to address, again, the cycle of violence. Yes, yes, okay, reparations. He's also gonna have a, welping, a welcoming space for the people who have been incarcerated because of failed policies. 
I don't know, maybe they murdered somebody, maybe they broke into a home, punched grandma in the face. We're gonna take care of those people. Interestingly, this is rather fascinating, on New Year's Eve, there were only 23 people shot in Chicago, which you would have thought at least 40 people. Two were killed, 23 shot. So that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good, pretty good evening, uh, I guess, if you're in Chicago. But you guys know this. What happens is these people come up with all of the wrong ideas. They destroy the cities. And then a certain set, what also happens, it's not just like the political elite that push all this nonsense, but then a certain set of celebrities and athletes also get out there, people who have gotten everything you could ever want in life. It would be my dream, my dream, ladies and gentlemen, to play professional basketball for a living. I'd give it all up. I'd give up this coffee mug. I'd give up this glass. I'd give up the paper and the Sharpie to play one NBA game. That would be it for me, right? Then there's this guy, LeBron James. And LeBron James is a billionaire. He is literally worth over a billion dollars. He's a pretty damn good basketball player. He's not Michael Jordan. There, I've said it. I don't know that I've ever said that publicly before. Michael Jordan is still the greatest NBA player ever. Six championships in, in six years, right? He went to the finals six times, won all six times. LeBron's lost a whole bunch of finals. Anyway, uh, LeBron James is promoted throughout the system because he bows to China, because he loves vaccines, because he will tell you how racist this society is as he, a black man, becomes a billionaire and his son becomes the highest paid player in college basketball. And here he is fighting, well, it's a new, he, he well, just you listen, just listen close, just listen closely. Job of, of putting that thing together. From a social injustice standpoint, um, us as, a, as the players to be able to use the NBA platform and us be able to go out there and speak about cystic racism, uh, uh, you know, police brutality, voter suppression, mm -hmm. everything that was going on um, gave us an opportunity and we all stood in solidarity with Milwaukee Bucks. Cystic racism, that's, a, that's, a, that's one, it's like a cystic zit. That thing just will not go away. You could put, uh, what's, what's the zit medicine for? That they, uh, Oxy, OxyClean? No, not OxyClean, not OxyClean. What was, Accutane or what was the one? It was in like a pad, like you'd have it when you were a kid. Proactive, oh, proactive solution. But there was another one. It was just like a pad, generic. What the hell was that? Anyway, it's systemic, not cystic, you idiot. But also he just, the way he just casually throws out these things, police brutality. He doesn't give you any numbers or any explanation or talk about behavior or anything else. Police brutality, voter suppression. I am fairly certain every black person in America is allowed to vote. I'm also pretty sure that black people, just like white people and Latinos and everybody else can get voter uh, IDs. Can you know They have to get on a plane and to get on a plane you need an ID, but you get it. They just promote him more and more and more and he'll never speak about say the genocide of the Muslim Uyghurs that is happening in China because he's owned by China because Nike and the contracts, okay, fine. Uh, but let's continue. Uh, because it's not just that they want to break everybody's brains and import people to collapse the system and make it so that you won't know which way is up and you won't have a dime to spare because they're going to give health insurance to everybody else. They want to actually socialize, and I mean socialize like bring in socialism, the economy, and they want to end equality. This is what it really is about. They want to end equality. The idea that there will be an even playing field will all have started in different places, but the playing field will be even, and then you gotta work hard and you gotta get a chance, and there's a little bit of luck, and 
That's the freaking adventure of life. They want to rip that up and they want something else, something called equity. Allow Kamala Harris, uh, this is a video from a couple years ago. Uh, it's an interesting video. She's wearing a mask. Note her chair is a little bizarre, but listen to Kamala Harris explain what the ultimate uh, outcome of their adventure is. Equality suggests often everybody should get the same thing. Well, that often assumes everybody started out in the same place as opposed to equity, which is everyone should end up in the same place. And if you then understand not everybody started out in the same place, you understand some people need more. So we all end up in the same place. That is Socialism 101. Before I comment on that, though, I do want to address something. I was right. There used to be something called OxyPads. It was like this pad and it burned like hell. You put it on your face when you were a kid. And then apparently there's also Clearasil and then, of course, Proactive Solution. Uh, but as it relates to equality and equity, she's telling you we are socialists, we are communists, we want everyone to end up in the same place. Think how radically anti-human that is. Some people have more. LeBron James has more than me. I am not good enough to be an NBA player, although I did hit five threes in our playoff game. 15 points, not bad. But I'm not an NBA player, right? I'm not, and it's okay. He has an awful lot. I don't know that he really deserves all of that, but it's not my... Right, I don't. it's not within my right to take that from him. So what does she mean she wants everyone to be equal in the end? Are you gonna take all of LeBron James stuff who also believes in social justice and also believes in all the nonsense that you believe in? Are you gonna take all of his money and redistribute it throughout all of the black and brown community and then everyone will have the exact same stuff as LeBron James? It doesn't mean anything. What she means is there will be an elite set of people who will have whatever they want and everyone else will get peanuts. That's what she means. But there's a reason that they keep pushing these ideas and that these ideas then proliferate down throughout society. It's because the sense-making, remember that's where we started at the top of the show, the sense-making in America has been completely blown apart. We have so few people uh, that are discussing any of the issues honestly. You just say things, right? You just say cystic racism and you don't know what you're talking about. You just say police brutality. You just say white supremacy. You just say voter suppression and then people are just like, my God, the cystic racism and the voter suppression and all of the stuff. What's another one they always talk about? It's the gender pay gap. So this video was, was going viral over the weekend. This is great. This is from 2017, okay? Here's Rachel Maddow over on the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, talking about the gender pay gap. This is seven years ago, talking about the gender pay gap, and watch her get put in her place. This is just so beautiful. Women, women in this country still make 77 cents on the dollar for what men make, so if exactly. women don't make less than men? Actually, if you start looking at the numbers, Rachel, uh, there are lots of reasons for that. Wait, 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 no, wait. Well, Don't tell me the all, reasons are. Do women make less than men for the, doing actually, the same work? Uh, Not the no, same work. because. Wow. Well, okay. Well, well for example, men work, men work an average of 44 hours a week. Women work 41 hours a week. Men go into professions like engineering, science, and math that earn more. Women want more Listen, flexible Listen, this is not a math is hard No, no, no. Yes, it is, actually. No, it isn't. Well, no. Women are making 77 cents on the dollar but, that, for, for what men are making. So, but that's not true. If so, every greedy businessman in America would hire only women, save 25%, and be hugely this is, this is, and I love how passionate you are. I wish you were as right as, about what you're saying as you are passionate about it. I really do. That's For really example. So that guy, I, I think his name is, can you, can we try on this? I think his name is Alex 
Kalistanakis or Kalistanos or something. He used to be on CNN and I guess MSNBC and a bunch of these things. He was a, he was actually he was a kind of right leaning political analyst. I, I don't know what happened to him, but but you could see he's calmly explaining things there that men tend to work more. Men and women go into different things. Men generally like things more, women like people more, which is why you're gonna get more female nurses and you're gonna get more male engineers. You don't see an awful lot of women say, I don't know, diving into septic tanks and cleaning them up. Generally you don't. Alex, is it Kalistanakis? We're, we're gonna try to find it or someone can mention it in the chat. So men work more, right? And by the way, that's it's okay because generally what that means is that women are child rearing more as a general rule. And it is good to have a mother taking care of a child. That's a generally good thing. So men work more, they do different things. And then at the end, what he says so beautifully, oh, uh, her line, don't tell me the reasons. Isn't that like the most perfect modern sort of liberal take on things? Like, I just say something crazy. Women earn 70 cents on the dollar. Well, actually, that's not true if I can give you some information. I don't want to hear the reasons. I'm a freaking liberal. I just said it. This is a televised mental institution. What do you think we're doing over here? Telling people the truth. But then the last line that, that Alex mentions, uh, he says, a good businessman, if it was true that everything was absolutely equal across the board, behaviors, desires, all of those things, and you could just hire women at 70 cents on the dollar that you would hire a man for, every business owner, every, I would get rid of you. What, what, what am I working with these idiots for? I would bring in chicks and save an awful lot of money. No offense, guys. You get the point, you get the point. So they blow apart everyone's brains. We have very, very few sense makers to clean up some of the mess. And then you just get idiotic people in power. And speaking of idiotic people in power, the big story, of course, that we missed uh, during the Christmas New Year's break was that Maine Secretary of State, Shenna Bellows, has booted Donald Trump off the ballot uh, let's listen to Ms. Bellows explain why she did just that. I am so mindful, and I, I said this in my decision, uh, that it is unprecedented. No secretary of state has ever deprived a presidential candidate of ballot access based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. But no presidential candidate has ever engaged in insurrection and been disqualified under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. I am so mindful of this thing that I just did and nobody else has ever done it, but I did it because I'm mindful of the thing that I just did. And when you're mindful of the thing that you just did, you do that thing and that's what I'm mindful of. So, you know, okay. I hate people that talk like that. I cannot, that whatever that thing is, I cannot stand it. That aside for just a moment. So yes, Donald Trump has at least temporarily, and this just like the Colorado decision, of course, this will get up to, it'll eventually get up to the Supreme Court. It has to get there. And Trump, most likely, because the Supreme Court is roughly sane, will be put back on the ballot. And if these idiots, if this Bellows woman and the Colorado person who did this, if they had, if they, if Trump is the one they fear the most, then of course they should not be doing this because that is the thing that is fueling him. It's not his. It's not his campaign, right? He's not really campaigning. It's not. It's not the the vision that he has for the country or anything else. It's the it's the concept that he is under attack. That is what is lighting the fire under the Trump thing. Uh, but let's flash back to that diversity hire one more time. Here's Cringe Jump here, uh, and what she's mostly concerned about because you know Trump's been removed from main case in Colorado. What is she, is she worried that you know in America we're removing presidential candidates from the ballot, or could there be something else she's worried about? 
Can you have a response to this significant violent rhetoric um, that targeted the Colorado Supreme Court justices and Democrats following that ruling um, that would have kept that would keep Donald Trump off the ballot there. Some of that violent rhetoric has come directly in response to his own posts on social media, but there were concerns raised about that and that spreading on social media. On violent language and rhetoric in response to that targeting specifically the Supreme Court justices in Colorado. Well, we've been always very clear. Any any intimidation, uh, any violent rhetoric or violence, uh, we're certainly going to denounce that. Uh, and say it's inappropriate. Guys, it's mostly the violent rhetoric. It's not about the president not being on the ballot in two states. It's the violent rhetoric around that that is the real threat to democracy. I mean, this is banana republic level stuff. So, okay, what do we do in the face of all of this? I, I've laid out a pretty, a pretty thick uh, case on the show so far today that there are a lot of problems here and that, again, we don't really have the sense-making apparatus to slog through this. I think there are people that are trying, I'm trying, I'm sure you're trying in your life, but like at a national level, we just don't have that anymore. And that's partly because of what technology has done to us and we all can go off and I listen to this person, you listen to that person, you end up living in very different worlds. Uh, But I think I've illustrated the divide in this country for this upcoming year, right? It seems to me that it's anyone to the right of Bill Maher, let's say, and Bill Maher is pretty lefty, versus anyone to the left of, say, a Sam Harris or, or a Seth MacFarlane, right? The individual versus the system people. Thus, it's basically anti-woke versus pro-woke. We all know that. But I've also thoroughly showcased that the pro-woke ideology, not only what it is, uh, but how consequential, how much damage it has done uh, so far in America and what it could do if the Democrats get back into office uh, in November, and by the way, it's not like the Republicans are so great, but they're just a little bit better. Um, okay, so now I wanna, this is gonna be a tricky one for me, because I wanna shift a little bit to something that's happening on the right right now that I think is super, super dangerous, and I sense it's going to get much worse. And I'm desperately going to try to be one of the people that does not feed into it. Uh, Tucker Carlson, like Tucker, he's been on my show a couple times, he's been to my house, I've been to, I've been on his show many times, like, I consider us you know, friends to a certain extent, whatever. Uh, Tucker has had a couple strange moments going after Ben Shapiro lately. Now, Tucker, of course, left Fox, or Fox left him. I guess there's some lawsuits around that. Tucker announced, what was it, two, three weeks ago that he's building a network. Uh, now, a Tucker Carlson network obviously would be in direct competition with, say, a Ben Shapiro Daily Wire network. And Tucker's been taking some hits on Ben, and I, I think they've actually been pretty bad. And I'm only doing this segment because it is very obvious to me that Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro and me and you all wanna live in the same country. We all know that the woke thing, that communism and socialism and collectivism, that that is the real danger. But because of being in an election year and because of a Republican primary and everything else, and because of two guys that now have competing networks, there is gonna be a lot of energy focused on everyone destroying everybody. Uh, and so here I'm going to I'm going to ever so softly call out Tucker with the hopes of of bringing uh, a little healing to this thing. But here is Tucker going after uh, Ben Shapiro. This is just a couple days ago. I did think it showed like the level of not just corruption, which I knew, but of like emotional instability and crazy. I mean, there are people, and I stopped reading any of it, but there are people on the right who have spent the last two months every single day focused on a conflict in a foreign country as our own country becomes 
dangerously unstable on the brink of financial collapse with tens of millions of people who shouldn't be here in the country. We don't know their identities or the purpose of their being here. Like stuff that's could destroy the country for real and make it impossible for my kids to live here. They've said nothing about that and they're focused with laser intensity on foreign conflicts. And I'm like, at some point, I've got four kids. If I'm so caught up in the problems of my neighbor's children and completely ignoring my own children as they get addicted to drugs and kill themselves, you know, I'm not against helping my neighbor's kids, but clearly I don't love my kids. I mean, right. that's, that's, you know, that's the only logical conclusion and they don't care about the country at all. And that's, you know, that's kind of their prerogative, but I do because I have no choice because I'm from here. My family's been here hundreds of years. I plan to stay here. Like, I, I'm shocked by how little they care about the country, and including the person you mentioned. And I, I can't imagine how someone like that could get an audience of people who claim to, about, to care about America, because he doesn't, obviously, right? Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is just a seriously low IQ take and, and really low-hanging fruit and dishonest by Tucker. So Tucker, if you're watching this, and maybe I'll send you this video myself, I'll text it to you. Uh, you you got to do a little bit better than that. The idea that Ben Shapiro does not care about America, nor has been like basically the number one conservative voice in alt media for the last decade, basically, is crazy. Yes, Ben has spent an awful lot of time over the last three months talking about Israel, and many people have. By the way, Tucker, Mr. America First Tucker, um, there are American hostages still. Americans were killed, and there still are American hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza right now. Should Americans not care about that? Also, as I have said many times, you should be able to walk and chew gum. What have I done on this show for the last three months? Have I talked about what's going on in Israel an awful lot? Of course, but every single day, do I talk about the border? Do I talk about the fentanyl? Do I talk about immigration and the drugs and all of the stuff that's happening? And I have no doubt that Ben is doing that too. So I think in a, in a very cynical, cynical move there, unfortunately, what Tucker is trying to do is he's going, Ben is my competition now. I'm building out the Tucker Carlson network. Who, are, who is our competition? Well, Fox is our competition and the Daily Wire is our competition and say the Blaze is our competition and I'm gonna go out and, and take out Ben and it's just not right and it's not good. And I would say beyond anything else, beyond anything else, we have a much bigger problem. It is the problem that I've spent the first 52 minutes of this show talking about. And if we're gonna make this about a personal beef or because we have our own business decisions that are that we're, are gonna take precedence over the importance of the country, then we are effed already beyond imagination. That's exactly where we will be. I wanna just read you one tweet from Andrew Clavin, who of course I've had on the show a million times, who is a good friend of mine, he's on the Daily Wire, and uh, I thought he summed this up nicely, uh, referring to what uh, Tucker just said there. He wrote balls. Anyone who says Ben Shapiro isn't a patriot is either a fool or a liar. I don't know what's happened to Tucker Carlson. I'm not going to pretend to read his mind or his motives, but his remark is in keeping with the quality of his content as of late. You know, Andrew is the most like sort of soft-spoken, like he does not like going after anybody. Nobody wants to, including me, wants to go after Tucker and unleash the, the bots and the trolls and the army of MAGA people and everything else. But we cannot waste time trying to take out Ben Shapiro or trying to take out people who we agree with on stuff 90% of the way uh, in light of 
what's going on on the other side. If everything was freaking great right now, if we had a border, if we had cities that were operating properly and we wanted to do the infighting thing, like I want you to watch my show more than you watch this guy's show and he talks too fast and I wear my shirts like this. Okay, fine, but we will lose this country. We will hand it to the woke. Maybe we've done that already, but we will hand it to them on a silver freaking platter if we do not decide there is something greater that we have in common and that we better freaking fix it, save it before it's over. So let's shift a little bit more. We're going big on this uh, first show of 2024. Uh, I wanna shift a little bit to presidential politics because I think, in, I think if I'm not mistaken, Iowa caucus, January 15th, is that right? So we've got basically uh, 14 days, uh, 13 days to the January caucus, okay? And uh, by every estimation, conventional wisdom, every poll, everything else, Trump is gonna win this thing in a landslide. I wanna read you though a, a post that Trump put up on Truth Social over the weekend because uh, he was getting some pushback even from a few of his own people. But just tell me if this, if this is the thing that you want going forward. This is Donald Trump on uh, Truth Social. Uh, going after, he's going after Chip Roy here because Chip Roy uh, has has uh, endorsed Ron DeSantis. This is a, he's retruthing, re I suppose, a guy by the name of Paul Ingracia. Uh, it doesn't matter how conservative a meaningless term Chip Soy's voting record is. He is a political hack with horrible judgment and character. He has never accomplished anything of significance in his life and committed the ultimate act of betrayal by going against Donald Trump and the America First movement. He's disgraced to Texas and isn't even worthy of being a dog catcher. Now, Trump put that up. Doesn't matter who this Paul guy is. Um, Trump put that up. Chip Roy from Texas, I've had him on the show a couple times actually. He has the most conservative voting record in Congress, period. You can fact check that for yourself. Now he happens to think that Ron DeSantis would be a better choice for president. Trump, and this is what I would relate to the sort of Ben Shapiro Tucker thing. Trump is basically like, you are with me or against me, I will burn everybody down. And Trump will gladly take out, I mean, this is just obvious. And I'm sorry if you're more on the MAGA side of this thing, and it, and it might damn well be true that in a month from now, Trump will have this thing locked up and I will, I will continue living, it will be okay. We'll continue the show and everything else. I do not think we'll have made the right choice, but there we are and we'll adjust accordingly. Okay, just fine. Um, but Trump will gladly, I mean, what he's trying to do right there is turn all of MAGA against the congressman who is the most conservative, more conservative than me, right? That's what he's trying to do. And then the name calling and everything else. Okay, so is that what we're gonna do? Is that how we're gonna beat the woke? In, in 2024 by alienating all of the anti-woke people just because they won't bow to Trump. Well, then Trump had another one. I mean, this is just another one. Uh, this is wild. This is Trump himself over the weekend. The FBI headquarters should not be moved to a faraway location, but should stay right here where it is in a new and spectacular building in the best location in our now crime-ridden and filthy, dirty, graffiti-scarred capital. They should be involved in bringing back DC, not running away from it, especially the violent crime. An important part of my platform for, pre for president is to bring back, restore, and rebuild Washington DC into the crown jewel of our nation. We will make it crime-free and great again. The FBI should not be fleeing for safer, yet much less convenient environs. It should, be make, it should make where they are now the safest place on earth. Don't move the FBI. Um, he is tweeting this out or he's truth socialing this thing out 
because Ron DeSantis, and amongst other people, I think Vivek as well, have said that we should move the FBI. If we decentralize government, right, the Department of Education and the Department of Agriculture and the FBI, all of these things that are so centralized in DC, that's what the swamp is about, right? When you have all of these people and all of these people know each other and go to dinner with each other and everything else and the lobbyists are all there, that DC has become the very type of centralized power that the founders were trying to escape when they founded this country 250 years ago, right? And here's Trump defending the swamp, that we're gonna put more money into DC and we're gonna give the FBI a new building? Do you think the FBI or the CIA or the Department of Education or the Department of Agriculture or any of those, they deserve a new building? And who cares at this point if, if DC is crime ridden? But Trump is kind of in it for the swamp at this point. Uh, Thomas Massey, who I think has the second most conservative voting record, who is by far the most libertarian member, individual rights, anti-government member of Congress from Kentucky, uh, he tweeted this out. Let's be clear, the FBI does not need a spectacular new building. I mean, any of you watching this right now, do you think the idea right now is that the FBI should get a new building and any one red cent of your dollars should go to the FBI getting a new building? I mean, that's just crazy. So then there's this account, and I know we're getting into the weeds here a little bit, but I'm just trying to illustrate this divide right now that, that either we will continue to fester and, and just demolish the Republican Party and we will be left with the woke Democrats running everything, or we can try to heal some of this stuff right now. And I think the only way you can heal anything is through truth. So then there's this account, Cat Turd, which is a huge account on Twitter, anonymous, big MAGA guy. I don't think he particularly likes me. He wrote, uh, let's be clear. The Republican Party give them everything they wanted and renewed FISA. Amazing you're talking shit when you failed us so miserably. He's talking to Thomas Massey about that. Let's be clear, the FBI does not need a spectacular new building. And Thomas Massey wrote, I voted against that. This is your guy. How does the kitty litter taste? That was pretty good by Massey. I do like Massey. Okay. You get it, guys, you get it. We can have all of these little bickerings, these little fights, we can have over-the-top comments, and, and, and just we'll try to take out Ben Shapiro and we'll try to build the FBI a new building, or we can all kind of get together right now and work this thing out. I'm not bullish that we can actually do it, because that's not, you know, that's not the way the system of pressures works with humans. Um, I'm bullish that we can do it in, in individual states, perhaps, and elsewhere. Um, but I would say that from, say, Bill Maher most likely will vote the wrong way but gets the big issues right, uh, to someone like Tucker who gets the big issues right and yet I think is making a little mistake here, I do think there is a path. It's the anti-woke path. It's the anti-woke campaign. Uh, it's, it's, something bigger, it's something bigger than all of our little bickering. So we can have we can have our own Javier Millet, right? He is the new president of uh, Argentina and he is, he is ripping apart the woke right now. He is ripping apart their mass, uh, their huge ever expanding government. He's doing it right now. We'll get to him in just a second. But before we do, I wanna throw back to a clip from, uh, this is probably about a year and a half ago. You may remember Dr. Robert Malone. He was the, the, he is the doctor who has the most patents as it becomes, as it pertains to mRNA technology than anyone. And yet he has come out uh, very much against the mRNA vaccines. He was on Joe Rogan's show, we've shown you this clip before, and here he is talking about how we are living through something called mass formation psychosis, 
that we are all sort of trapped in this, in this information war that is making us believe things that are not true. And do you think it's possible if you live in something like that, you might start aiming at the wrong people instead of aiming at the obvious thing doing it to you? So take a look. From basically European intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s. You know, very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. Um, and how did that happen? Um, the answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety and a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis, they literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. And one of the aspects of that phenomena is the people that they identify as their leaders, the ones typically that come in and say, you have this pain and I can solve it for you. I and I alone, okay, can fix this problem for you, okay? Then they will lead, they will follow that person through, it doesn't matter whether they lie to them or whatever. The data are irrelevant. And furthermore, anybody who questions that narrative is to be immediately attacked. They are the other. <clears throat> this is central to mass formation psychosis. And this is what has happened. We had all those conditions. If you remember back before 2019, everybody was complaining, the world doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we're all isolated from each other. We're all on our little tools. We're not connected socially anymore, except through social media. Um, and then this thing happened and everybody focused on it. That is how mass formation psychosis happens. And that is what's happened here. Doesn't that sound exactly like what I've been talking about, right? Our sense makers blown apart. We just don't have trusted institutions. We have very few trusted people at this point. Then anyone who says anything against, say, the dear leader, right? What's going to happen to you? They will go after you, right? Tucker going after Ben. Like, he knows Ben is not the enemy here. He has his own reasons why he's doing it. But this thing that is happening to all of us, we are focused all on the wrong things as the authoritarians come, right? If you think right now, if you are not even a Republican or a conservative or anything else, if you are a liberty-minded, decent American, if you think that Chip Roy and Thomas Massey are the problem, like the most conservative libertarian guys in Congress, if you think they're the problem because they will not bow to the dear leader, then you maybe only need a mirror. So we will only win if the rest of us unite to break out of this thing. And you know what? It is possible because look what's going on in Argentina right now. This is absolutely spectacular. This is from the End Wokeness Twitter account. 18 days ago, President Javier Malay was inaugurated in Argentina. Since then, here's what he's done. This is unbelievable. Eliminated 12 out of 21 cabinet posts firing 5,000 government employees, ending 380,000 government regulations, banned woke language in the military, bill to affirm the right to self-defense, bill to legalize homeschooling of kids, proposal to punish, to punish all riot organizers, future welfare cuts for road blocking, legalized paying contracts in Bitcoin, privatization of state-run companies, opened up the Argentina oil industry. Doesn't that all sound freaking amazing? And it's because the people of Argentina had gotten so close to the precipice of true communism and socialism. Socialism, they had basically dived into it already. They were in that pool. 
they somehow figured out how to get out and they're on their way out. And every single bullet point that I just put up there are the things that we should be doing here in the United States. Now we're not doing them at the federal level, but guess what? There are some places where we're doing some of those things. And yes, I don't think in my first show that is now 65 minutes in of the year uh, that I have said anything about the free state of Florida. So here we go. There's a tweet by Eric Daughtry about what's happening right now in Florida. Florida Republicans are getting ready for another crazy session, and we've got some bullet points for you. <laughs> Loosening firearm purchasing restrictions, protecting historical monuments, no LGBT flags on public property, no business with news guards slash censorship companies, further crackdown on adversary influence, more, return seized weapons more promptly, DeSantis budget slashing government jobs, tax cuts, protecting crypto, expanding who can exempt themselves from vaccine requirements, stricter penalties on people who flee police, banning pronoun requirements and penalties, more, banning lab-grown meat, revoking financial benefits for college students who support Hamas, pregnancy slash parenting resources, insurance improvements, healthcare improvements, an effort to ban reparations for slavery. So do you see it, guys? Have we laid out a case on this first show of the year? It can be done, and it's being done in certain places. But it doesn't just need to be done in Argentina, and it doesn't just need to be done in the free state of Florida. It needs to be expanded, and it needs to be done in every state. And I get it. Certain states won't do it. Certain people won't wake up. Uh, but we have... 14 days, 13 days till that primary. There is a choice to be made. And you can either choose to give the FBI a brand spanking new building in the middle of the swamp as you claim you're draining the swamp. And you can choose to try to destroy all of the true conservative voices, whether they're Thomas Massey, Chip Roy, or Ben Shapiro. You can choose to do that. You can choose to do that. Or you can choose to do something else. I think you know what I've chosen know who the enemy is. Let's fix, let's fix this freaking thing. Guys, People of the Internet is live at 1 p.m. Post-game show right now, rubenreport.locals.com. New Twitter account, Ruben Report Show, if you want to get all of our clips. And I don't think I took one exhale during that entire show. All right, there you go. All right, thanks for watching, everybody. See you later. New direction. One direction. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta block my betas real quick. <laughs> Anderson. All right. Cheers to all of you at Cheers. home. Happy New Year. Oh, that was a big one, even for me. <laughs> John, you are I, in I, Tokyo, I can't Japan. see Anderson, but I know exactly what he looks like. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, you I'm do. Yes, you do. He's gone. He's off yes. with the fairies here. Um, just yes. the shot of the cat's ass in your face is making him delirious. Um. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.